I've got the hair. I've got the teeth. I've got the eyes. Jesus, George, it was a wonder I was even born. Hello, and welcome back. Episode two of Doubled Feature. My name is Max. I'm, I'm Dan. Yeah, I'm here. I am here with Dan. I wanted to make sure I said my own name Just this time. Cut me off. Whatever. Hey, Dan. Hey, bud. How's it going? It's pretty good. And, uh, you know, drink a couple milkshakes, getting ready for this, get my throat nice and lubed up. How are my levels? Are they looking good over there? Hey, you're a little low, but I'll work on it. beeps and boops. Whatever. I feel like I'm talking quietly, and uh, as I work into it, get these milkshakes nice and waxed up, uh, this is a, this maybe is I'll a, get a little louder. This is the sexy episode. Ooh. The sultry episode. I don't know why I'm doing a voice, but I can't stop. Yeah. What's going on? Uh, nothing much, man. Uh, you been watching anything? Normal. Outside. Before we get into just like our. Oh yeah. Our what two have, films what have today. I been watching? Yeah. What you been watching? Oh, you just mean normal? It's not all business. Well, it's you not mean, all business. We don't just mean, watch. You mean only one of the segments movies. that I've written down? What you been watching? Is yeah. that what we're doing now? Yeah. Okay. So let's get um, in, let's get into our first segment of the episode. Let's get into it. What, what you been, been watching? watching? Uh, Max. Recently, I watched uh, 1990. Steven Seagal's second feature film, mm-hmm. a movie called Hard to Kill. Ooh. Uh, great film. Uh, I love it very much. Um, I've told you this before. My dad uh, is a big Seagal head and showed me all of his movies uh, when they were not even really appropriate for my age bracket. But I liked them too, and he insisted that Seagal can really do all that stuff. And to this day, I believe him. Um, even though he makes like Serbian films now where he like barely stands up. It'll just like... Like he makes films in Serbia or yeah, not films the, not, akin to no, a Serbian film. As far as I'm aware, they are not like a Serbian film. But I don't even think they film in Serbia. But he goes to like a weird different country where you can make a movie for like $60,000. Yeah, and just like, like just pulls an Uwe Ball and yeah. gets bad fucking tax credits where it's like they're paying him to make the movies or some shit. Basically, yeah. And then he just churns these things out and it's... The kind of movie you find in a basket at a, one of those big grab baskets of DVDs at Walmart. Yeah, it's four yeah. It comes on it comes on one disc with seven other unre- completely unrelated films, yeah. none of which stars cheaper Seagal. by the dozen. Why is that <laughs> yeah. lumped in with Hard to Kill? A f- what is it? The Fuzzy Dog. Oh yeah, what is you're talking one? about Fluke. Yeah, and we don't need. Never, to, no, we don't need to talk the, about that. That's a different episode. Yeah, the dog conversation. Um, we get a comes check in to, at another time. We get a check to see if Fluke is on this uh, Wikipedia list of twin films. But um, uh, yeah, hard to kill rules. Uh, uh, Seagal's a cop, and he's going to expose police corruption. And uh, does he? Uh, eventually, at the very end of the movie, it's finally exposed <laughs> because the dirty cops find out what he's going to do and they come to his house to kill him and they kill his sexy wife and they try to kill his kid and they think he's dead, but he's they sneak him into a coma and he comes out, I think, like eight years later because he's so hard to kill. And uh, then he does a training up montage and he drinks a Miller Light with his, uh, or a Miller High Life with his old uh, police buddy. Mm-hmm. And um, then they go and kill all the bad guys, and it rules a lot because uh, uh, Steven Seagal, I don't know if you know, practices the art of Aikido. Uh, I've so heard. 
he Doesn't actually, he have his own dojo or some shit? Uh, there's no way he doesn't. Um, I mean, I don't know. Do you think for he just sure, like? But he was he, like an Aikido instructor, right? And he instructed like a big Hollywood producer, and the guy was like, "You're a star. We're gonna make movies." <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then he started being in movies. I feel like if he had a dojo now, it's set up to just be full, like end of apocalypse now. Yeah, he just sits in the darkness and like the back oh, corner just fat of it. Brando? Yeah, yeah. yeah. full <laughs> fat branded in the back of it, light only on his eyes. Sure, uh, doesn't I've, do any demonstration. I've not just seen teaches through apocalypse verbal. now. Um, Ever? I've never seen the film. Um, it was maybe going to come up at some day because we will be discussing you, Francis Ford Coppola. Do you want to? Do you want to know something? Have you not seen it? I've never seen Apocalypse Now. <laughs> How do we both know about the Fat De Niro scene? <laughs> Apparently, it was impossible to work with. He just wouldn't do anything. He wouldn't, wouldn't do put anything. pants and, on. And didn't he? He just like showed up fat. Yeah. Like they thought they were gonna get like full fucking Marlon Brando, where like, th- like his character was supposed to be this like super fucking intimidating, mm-hmm. like just absolutely menacing presence, and then he shows up on set, sixty pounds overweight, wouldn't work with anybody. Right. And they were like, well, what the fuck do we do with this? So they just didn't light him. Yeah, right. I, um, absolute. I it's just a fucking great, great. Great guy. Just a classic fat guy. Um, <laughs> love him. It went from one of the hottest guys ever to just some fat guy who's kind of still in movies. <laughs> I um, I watched him in um, it's like a, some like 70s like ghost story movie. It's the sequel to um, it's based off the book that's the sequel to the turn of the screw the like classic british ghost story they just or no it's the prequel i'm sorry it's the prequel they just made um the turning the turning yeah with finn wolfhard uh, it's finn wolfhard and it's the little girl from the florida project i've been meaning to see that i heard it's bad Um, yeah i mean i've i heard it's mediocre like the horror community is so much more like um forgiving with just absolute like dog shit movies Mm mm-hmm but even I've, even yeah, they were it's, like it's fine yeah the, speaking uh, of dog shit movies to kind of continue ooh, our segment here have you been hey max what you been watching yeah um what you've been watching i watched quite possibly one of the worst movies ever seen in my entire life uh it's called escape puzzle of fear mm-hmm. it was on hulu escape room movies right yeah sort of my roommate and i shout out kool-aid our friend kool-aid um oh yeah uh that's kool-aid sound sting we don't do we do we have a soundboard can we i don't have a soundboard sting in later at some point i'll need to get a soundboard i'll just keep doing it for now if we mention kool-aid or if he comes on mic or anything we're gonna we we are on this like super fucking misguided mission as of like two weeks ago to just like watch every movie based on escape rooms Mm -hmm. that comes out because i saw on netflix that they've got some like escape room movie thing coming out right and he had just seen this one on uh hulu and like I work uh, late nights on weekends, so it's like normally just like come home and watch something like just absolutely fucking like something that's like not necessarily going to be fucking terrible, but something that doesn't look very good because then like both of us can kind of just like if we start dozing off or just like don't even want to fucking finish it or whatever, it doesn't matter because it's like 
if, it's gonna be like three. If I remember correctly, uh, you watched that after I left your house, and I'm glad I did. Yeah, it uh, just uh, I would I would try and what was so bad about it? It, 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 it no likable characters. Mm. The plot, like I would try and explain to you the plot if I they could have at to all. Escape a room. It's like Is that part of it. Sort of. Yes. The parts where they get to like the escape room is just like like two questions like two things get answered and they're just like out of there it's just Mm -hmm. fucking awful Mm -hmm. if you want to like hate watch something like go ahead find it like watch it i guess i recommend it like within that capacity but it's just so bad i don't Mm -hmm. i don't know just absolutely terrible nothing redeeming at all the other thing we've started doing though um is we've set a new rule for 2021 which is if you if we if dating the podcast something you've called me out for yeah in the past. whatever mm. it's the year 2021 people for this sorry year. we let that cat out of the bag <laughs> that's the it's uh the sound sting for uh when we let the cat even, out of the bag i'm not even gonna buy a soundboard at this point <laughs> um keep doing it just, probably have apps you. for that right i could just hold the microphone Maybe. up to my laptop <laughs> that sounds awful yeah just um, good, uh prank but style. but the rule is uh, oh, you kick my dog. if we uh, if either one of us watches or if we together watch a film from a series of films, mm-hmm. we got to finish the series. Oh, have you finished any series recently? Yeah, so we watched all of the Ocean's movies. I remember that. I was and there then, for one um, and a half of those. We just finished watching the other night. Um, the uh, Wesley Snipes Blade uh-huh. trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really cool in the first one um, when they have the vampire rave club mm-hmm. and there's just blood coming from a sprinkler system and everybody's covered in blood and they're sexy vampire dancing. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's really cool. Also, Donald Logue is in that Donald movie. Donald Logue is the in guy, that one. I love Donald Logue. You know I like. Uh, we've talked about how uh, good the show Grounded for Life is. For some reason, yep. we all watched it, and we thought Everybody the mom was really it. hot for some reason. All, all was that just me, or did we all think that life. the mom was hot? Oh, yeah. No, she was. Okay. Damn. Very attractive. So weird that the Donald Logue's wife in Grounded for Life was hot. Don't yeah. know her name. Don't know Donald Logue's name, though. Yep. Remember him. Mm-hmm. Um, the the only like problem with this like prophecy for us now is that uh neither of us had seen expendables three mm-hmm. so we just watched that one mm-hmm. so now the other like addendum to the tri- or series rule is that if you watch the, since we watched expendables three we now have to watch expendables in reverse order mm. yeah, i mean it, sucks. it only makes sense you seen any of those movies yeah i had seen the first two mm-hmm. but now, now you gotta watch two and then one in that order yeah that's the rules. That's the rules. I mean, I would say I At don't At least make you the know rules. the rules going yeah. into it. So if you don't want to have to watch Expendables 3, 2, and 1, you could just not watch Expendables 3. Right. Well, we've already watched Expendables 3. I mean, I understand that now it's in motion, but, I mean, you don't have to go watch, like, um, what if you start with the second movie in a trilogy? What if What if three, tomorrow one. you go 3 and then 1? Yeah. Okay, so you're doing your own little hatchet cut. Yeah, of, like, hey, hey, Max, you wanna? I'll come over this weekend. We can watch uh, the Hobbit: Desolation of Smaug. Yeah, just start. <laughs> then I would have to watch Battle of the Four middle. Armies, and then uh, an unexpected an journey. unexpected journey. Yeah, 
Wow. I, again, I would say that I don't make the rules for this. That's right. But I've quite literally made the rules for you, this. You made. I feel like Kool Aid didn't weigh in on this. You no, just he did. Get, he was a part of. It. I mean, I presented it, and he said yes. Mm. So, did he say yes or did he say, "Oh yeah"? Yeah, it was, I mean, more it was the vocal sting that wasn't more me. We recorded it last time on the uh, software. So, let's get let's get down into nitty gritty. Oh, you're ready to get into it? Yeah. Well, first, it's kind of, you know, point of order, Disclaimer. I guess, is that, look, this is the second episode of the podcast. Mm-hmm. It's, it, uh, hopefully you guys bear with us a little bit. Um, like, as we go along, there will be some growing pains, I'm sure, for us and you as a listener. We're buffing um, out the hiccups. Yeah, as they come, we're trying to scare ourselves because we got a couple of hiccups. So, we both thought that maybe last time on the first episode, a little too scattershot with like our summarization. Also, probably like too much summarization because I think both call of us, us uh, call us the Almond Brothers because yeah. we were a couple of rambling men. Yeah, and uh, both of us kind of like feel like this is you know this is for us to just sort of uh, yell into the void about movies that we watch mm-hmm. and like the twin f- twin films are just kind of like a fun way this is pure masturbation for yeah, us we're to just pick, um, uh, talking about movies because we want to yeah exactly and like twin films are just kind of like a fun way for us to pick two movies to talk about and like whatever so we're gonna kind of we're gonna try something get all of our kind of um summarization introduction of the film stuff out of the way and then we're just going to start talking about what we thought about the films impressions what we liked what we didn't like things that both of them did well you know kind of like we're going to each give a synopsis of one movie yeah give the director the main actors synopsis Mm -hmm. critical reception anything else relevant bust that all out real quick yeah i did my research i wrote it down i typed it up I'm going to read it verbatim, I think. Yeah? We'll see if I do or not. I'm probably going to summarize. Right. Or kind of paraphrase There will be some weird uh, tense things, probably. You probably want to work around that. But I'm just letting the people know. I'm going off uh, the written word. All right. Um, um, so let's get to our two films. Mm-hmm. But real quick before we get to there Uh-oh. is we've kind of started to, as we're looking at picking our movies and you know discussing it just like between us like going over the podcast or whatever that there's kind of this um i guess we'll call it a sliding scale of you know twin films mm-hmm. a, where a zero is like some two like two different movies yeah two different movies different that just have like kind of subjects yeah or that are just kind of like sort of similar okay um or a zero completely being yeah no nothing they they relate in no Just way not whatsoever on the, not on the not list. on the list a one a one being like <laughs> they have starting like, the scale at one yeah a a, a vague kind of like similar plot line kind sure. of thing um, yeah some on these Wikipedia lists are more of a stretch than others yeah so are we leading off with we haven't even said the names of the movies no, are we so, going to give so how I'm much gonna, of a I'm going to inter- I'm going to say that, that last week we both kind of talked about it Prestige and The Illusionist that we think is like a 8 9 mm-hmm. sort of range in terms I of think like you where you said it would 8 fall. I said 9 yeah. I was right and um 
a 10 would be something like when they released um capote and infamous might as well be the same movie yeah. coming out the same year or um, within a year and then we we think that this this week's films fall about three four mm-hmm. range so we're kind of it's still they're related but they're not yeah. quite as uh right on the money as uh, and we didn't even plan this this is kind of like a little happy accident for us in terms of like we kind of stumbled upon our little sliding scare here scale here and mm-hmm. uh like starting to plan for this week's episode and stuff like that um dan why don't you introduce... We're keeping these people on the hook, man. we got to tell them what yeah. the dang movies are. They what? haven't read the episode description, obviously. They just clicked yeah. on this. <laughs> they just clicked Because it was a, a link that we sent to our friends and made them listen to. No, I'm just kidding. Let's get into yeah, it. Yeah, what's our... Uh, today we will be covering the 1986 movie Peggy Sue Got Married and the 1985 movie Back to the Future. Mm-hmm. Um, to quote Wikipedia, which is the easiest way to do this, because uh, they give a one-sentence reasoning why the movies are related, and I don't want to rephrase it. Uh, in this case, both feature protagonists who go back in time and meet high school versions of their family members, played by the same actors. And with that, Max, I'm going to take it into my, uh, what do you say, one to two minute synopsis of uh, yeah. Peggy Sue Got Married. Uh, So Peggy Sue Got Married, 1986 film directed by Francis Ford Coppola, one of the greats, uh, even though I've not seen Apocalypse Now. Back to the script. Uh, Starring Kathleen Turner, Nicolas Cage, Barry Miller, and Catherine Hicks. Also, very quickly. Uh Uh-oh. This is on my script. I'm just going to say, these are probably going to have spoilers. Oh, yeah. Shit. We forgot to say again. Yeah, everything. We're about to say the whole plot. Yeah. Just so you know what we're talking about, you're in the conversation. If you haven't watched this movie at all or recently, yeah. we're just kind of giving you a rundown. So we don't have to – last last week we just kept kind of saying the plot a little yeah, bit. Yeah, we just kind of rambled and, and we would ran, Yeah, we would get away from it and then back. Like, oh, shit, we got to summarize this plot a little better. So we're just going to bust it out. Yeah. And then um, I'm not going to tell you to skip to a timestamp or anything. One, because I don't know how long this will take. And two, because everything from here on out should be considered a spoiler for yeah. the movie Peggy Sue Got Married and, if you, if and you wanna, Back to the Future. If you want to skip synopsis, just go two or three minutes past where you are now yep. and just figure it out. Find it on your own. Whatever. You can I'll, figure it out. I'll put it in the fucking the liner notes or You're the smart. description where like discussion of the actual films takes place or whatever. But all right, go ahead. Back to your script. Are we ready for yeah, my ready. script about Peggy Sue Got Married? Yeah. I have not started it yet. Should nope. I start it now? Mm-hmm. I'm starting Start it. it now. Yep, let's go. In 1985, Peggy Sue attends her 25-year high school reunion, accompanied by her daughter, Beth. Peggy is separated from her husband, Charlie, played by Nicolas Cage. After his infidelity, she reunites with old friends and pontificates on what could have been. Richard Norvac, the bullied nerd turned billionaire, is crowned king of the reunion, and Peggy Sue is crowned queen. Overcome with emotion, Peggy Sue faints. She awakens in 1960, shortly before her own high school graduation, but with all the knowledge of her 1985 self. She confides that in Norvik, the smartest person she knows. She breaks up with her then-boyfriend Charlie and instead quickly sleeps with uh, Michael Fitzsimmons, the beatnik loner she had long pined for in old age. Uh, Michael wants to start a life with her, but she refuses and encourages, to chan- encourages him to channel his passion for her into his writing. She sees Charlie singing at a bar, 
realizes there's still much she didn't know about her former husband. She attempts to reconcile with Charlie, but is rebuked as he's realizing he doesn't have a career in music. She confides again in Norvik that she doesn't want to influence people's lives by coming back to the past. Uh, he proposes to her, and she refuses, not wanting to repeat her mistake of marrying so young or cloud his path to success. Uh, Peggy Sue explains her predicament to her grandparents, uh, believing her grandmother to possess psychic powers. Her grandfather takes her to a Masonic lodge where they perform a ritual to send her back to 1985. Charlie happens upon the ritual and takes Peggy Sue away, eventually proposing to her and giving her the locket she proudly wore in 1985. The two reunite, and uh, she is content to follow the same path uh, she once chose to avoid. She wakes up in 1985 with a remorseful Charlie by her side. They again reconcile in the present and presumably live happily ever after. Um, yeah, that's Peggy Sue Got Married. The film was a box office success and earned a uh, uh, Oscar nomination for um, uh, Turner for uh, Best Actress and uh, did pretty well. Has a 74 Metacritic score and an 86 uh, Rotten Tomatoes rating from the reviewers uh, and 55 from the fans. That's kind of a low fan score. I was wondering about that. Hmm. But conversation for later, yeah. perhaps. Yeah. Uh, now it's time to go back to the future. Back to the future. Uh, 1985 came out a year prior, directed by Robert Zemeckis. Another great, big time name. Great one. Starring Michael J. Fox, Christopher Lloyd, Crispin Glover, Leah Thompson, and Thomas F. Wilson. Uh, our film opens in 1985, where we see a young... Marty McFly, um, you know, he's kind of kind of got a, an average house life. His dad's kind of a pushover, overweight, salaryman kind of thing. He's got two kind of just dipshit brothers and sisters. Yeah. Um, Three. One's in jail. One's in jail. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't see that guy. And uh, the mom clearly seemingly unhappy. Uh, but Marty's got a friend and his pal Doc Brown. Turns out Doc Brown has swiped some plutonium from Libyan terrorists and has made a time machine out of a DeLorean, um, which Marty takes um, back to 1955, mm-hmm. but is stuck there. No plutonium in 1955. They don't really have it yet. Yeah. While he's running around in the 1950s, he meets a younger version of his father, who's been constantly bullied by Biff, who we also see as an older version of himself in 1985. Real piece of shit. Uh, Marty saves his father from being run over, which inadvertently uh, stops his mother and father meeting, and now his mother has got eyes for Marty, and this is causing a sort of time-space continuum issue where Marty's siblings and himself are starting to disappear because his parents have never met. This sets off uh, our main plot where Marty and Doc are trying to get uh, George and Lorraine, Marty's parents, to meet each other and fall in love uh, because they need to kiss at the Enchantment Under the Sea dance. 
Uh, meanwhile, Doc Brown is trying to figure out how they're going to get Marty home without any plutonium. He devises a plan where lightning is going to strike the clock tower at a precise moment, according to Marty, uh, having this knowledge from the future, and that it is going to give them the power they need to get Marty back home. Uh, once they get home, uh, or once Marty does get home, it turns out he is, he's warned Doc about the Libyan terrorists attacking them. Uh, in 1985, and Doc is wearing a bulletproof vest, thus saving Doc's life. And um, But when Marty finally gets home, he falls asleep, wakes up, thinks he's just had a weird dream, but everything is different. He has inadvertently changed the past because he has taught his father how to stand up to his bully Biff, and it has caused irreparable changes to the future, where now, instead of being this sad sack, they're very successful, they play tennis, they're schmoozy, whatever... And at the very last scene, Doc Brown shows up in a modified man or a modified Mandalorian, modified DeLorean, uh, and says that Marty and his girlfriend Jennifer have to come with him back to the future to save their kids. Mm-hmm. Um, film also box office success, the highest grossing film in 1985. Good year. Um, incredibly high, 87 on Metacritic high score on metacritic Mm -hmm. and 96 critic rating 94 fan rating on rotten tomatoes at just an absolute classic i mean it's just the fandom for it is still out of this world people love this movie they really do um max a couple things when you didn't Mm -hmm. read my script i didn't read your script um i paraphrased it i know you did and that's fine that's good i like it to be from your own words um, I think you kind of skipped the fact that uh, the whole picture thing and getting the parents back together, it's kind of a whole ordeal. Yeah. You never even said they got back together. They do get back together. And then Michael J. Fox invents uh, rock and roll music, not a black man, apparently. Pretty cousin uh, Marvin. Pretty whitewashing. Yeah. Marvin Berry. <laughs> yeah, great moment. Um, Stupid-ass Forrest Gump moment, I think. Uh, uh, a prediction of things sort to come of. for Zemeckis. Changing the past and uh, whitewashing it. Uh, of course, Elvis learned to dance from a uh, uh, young Forrest Gump rather than uh, uh, from black people. <laughs> a little <laughs> fucked up of Zemeckis. Anyway, um, I did want to get to. Uh, not only did you say the Mandalorian, which is funny. I did. Say, yeah. You did accidentally call Marty Morty. I think. Oh no! Did um, I? Which a lot of kids probably haven't seen this old flick they don't watch old movies like back to the future nobody's seen this movie dude but they know rick and morty (laughs) these kids love rick and morty the uh, rick and morty this that you love so much uh freaking copied this dang movie they did ah god we all love rick and morty (laughs) here at uh twin of a pod we just can't stop talking about it um so what did you think side by side which one did you like more Ooh, coming in hot yeah, with the let's takes. let's just get it out of the way. Let's Back to the right Future the is the better movie. No one's going to watch these movies and think Peggy Sue Got Married is better. It is the better movie. I will say... Back to the Future may be a perfect movie. I, it's Structurally perfect. Insane. I think I, I, great. I read somewhere while I was like just looking around on stuff that like... Um, a film school like might be like something it's not like a normal film school i don't think i don't know whatever one of the film schools big film school julia yeah uh actually teaches in their like screenwriting classes using the uh back to the future like script and screenplay as an example of a perfect screenplay it's perfect 
it's great. It's, it's so good. It's so good. And I, I will like I, I also enjoyed Back to the Future mm-hmm. more than Peggy Sue got married. But I, whereas last week with the Prestige and the Illusionist, like there was this like massive fucking divide mm-hmm. between like the quality of the movies, where it's like the Illusionist is like you know, passably watchable. Like Peggy mm-hmm. Sue got married is a v- extremely watchable movie. It's good. Like it's. Back to the Future. Fun, easy watch, just like kind yeah. of low stakes, I guess. Yeah. Back to the Future is like absolutely an all-time film. So it's like it's so good. Peggy Sue Got Married is like sort of, you know, uh, punching above its weight class, mm-hmm. like in terms of like if we if this was if that's what this podcast was about, there would be no competition. Right. But like the divide is not how many as quotables, big as it was last week. How many quotables do you think from Back to the Future you've got? It's your kids, Marty. Your that's, kids. that's a big one. Um we've got uh, you, I guess you guys weren't ready for that one, but your kids are going to love it. That's a big one, I mm-hmm. think. Uh, get your damn hands off her. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a big one. What else? I'm going to be missing a couple. I mean, it's a it's, Great it, like, it's an all-timer. Mm-hmm. It just absolutely is an all-timer. Yeah. If, you have only, if you're only aware of it because of Rick and Morty, you got to go watch Back to the Future. It's so good. It's, it's very good. Yeah. Um, um, Peggy Sue, uh, Peggy Sue got married. It's a good uh, movie, though. Did you see Peggy Sue got married before? Um, I thought I had never even heard of it. Um, mm-hmm. except there is a scene, um, towards the end where, um, Peggy is kind of still trying to like split with um, Charlie, Charlie, and she's like, you know, trying to say like, you know, don't give up on your dreams. Blah blah blah, but like here, I wrote you a song, um, and then he comes back to her and it says like, "Oh, I looked at, I read your song, but I um, I changed the yaz to ooze," mm-hmm. and he like starts singing a Beatles song or something like that. And I had I had seen that scene, like just like caught it on TV or something. Um, that is the entire premise to the movie yesterday. Is yeah, that what, is that what the movie's called? The movie where everybody forgets that the Beatles yeah, existed. Yeah, the Beatles never existed, so he just steals. He just starts writing all the Beatles songs. Do you know that? Do you know like the crux of that movie? Like, it it, it like five people or something come. Out, I haven't seen it. Uh, haven't this either. is how it was explained to me. Uh, spoilers for the movie yesterday, also <laughs> incoming. Uh, some people like like five other people are like, "Hey, we remember the Beatles too," and you're like. Oh damn! They're gonna rat him out for knowing the Beatles, and they're but instead they're just like, "Thank you for bringing these songs back. The world needed to hear them." And it's like, like man, dude, what a piece of shit. So I, I told uh, I told Dan earlier while we were preparing for this that I was probably going to say like one of the single most like controversial things I was ever going the to take say. that will rock the yeah, pod on the pod. Uh, apparently, I'm going to say a second thing that might. I'm not a huge Wait, Max. Yeah. This is not the take. This is not the take. We're not at the take this yet. This is a second take that has come up organically. You'll let me know when we're ready for the take though. Yeah. Okay. And right. now Hit me now with this it's, now the take is Holy way too built up. You guys aren't going to believe this. It's way this too one. built up. Um take I, I'm, number not a, one. I'm not a huge fan of the Beatles. Oh yeah, who cares? They're know. fine. I mean, they got some good songs if you got like Sergeant Peppers and stuff, they're good songs. I mean, you're probably just sick of a lot of the big songs. Yeah. I'm not really defending the Beatles. I don't really care about and it, them. And, it's, and honestly, back in high school, you know, I used to try and be like, 
all super fucking like counterculture is just like oh, Beatles mm-hmm. suck kind of just to be um, contrarian or right. whatever. It's just not my thing. It's uh, it's like a band it's good, that I, I listened to too much in like middle school when you start like learning about your dad's music. See, I never really did that either. Oh, I did. It wasn't it wasn't a thing. I know a lot of the Beatles back then. Didn't grow up listening to the Beatles other than just like hearing it, and then like they're good. It's just not. It's not my Got bag. Got the song "Lovely Rita" on my uh, on my dad rock playlist. Yeah, pretty good song. You do you. It's good stuff. Um, I don't think that's that hot of a take. I, this second take better be fucking good. Man. It's not you, dude. It's so God, built. It's so fucking tape. built up. Um, I, I think both movies start very, very strongly. If we mm-hmm. were to judge both films on their like opening like fifteen minutes, mm-hmm. I, I honestly think Peggy Sue goes toe to toe. I the the strongest. I mean, all of the bits and pieces that. I mean, back to the. I mean, Back to the Future sets everything up. I mean, I mean that's probably why it's so good. Everything's oh, but, already set up. So, like, if you just look at them one to one, just the beginnings. Yeah, maybe. But yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Well, the problem. Yeah, yeah the I problem mean, is Peggy Sue falls apart. Whereas Back to the Future is right. like. I mean, we've already determined that like people smarter than us, people who do this for a living, have determined that the Back to the Future screenplay is perfect. And and that was one of the notes I made was just that it it builds so wonderfully. It's so good. From start to finish, where it's just a lo- like, it, I mean, I, like how we can't spend too much time just sitting here fucking masturbatorily talking about one of the movies that is already considered one of like the greatest films of all time, kind mm-hmm. of thing. But it just builds so far. But I was I was so, um, kind of drawn in with the opening of Peggy Sue because we just get this sort of just she goes to that re- her high school reunion. Right. She's it it oh you remember how it opens? They're getting ready. They're getting for ready. the dance. Yeah. And the daughter is watching one of Crazy Charlie, her own dad's mm-hmm. commercials, selling is he selling appliances? Like musical equi- appliances. I think it's appliances. Um, great. We I mean, Kathleen Turner, the mom, wants to turn it off. Mm-hmm. Great. She's just like, oh, we know that they're having a divorce. She's like putting on her old dress to go to her reunions. Yeah. It's, Cool, it's fun. She's it's nervous. She's the, coming out of yeah. the board. She's not ready to. She's upset. We find out about his infidelity. It's all set up so well before. Like he's not even officially like appeared yet. He's only no. appeared in the commercial. He doesn't even really show up. He shows up right before. He shows up on screen right before we go back in time. Right. Um. But it's it. I I thought it was. You just get all these like as she's doing it, and then even once they get to the reunion mm-hmm. you get all these like little tiny you know 10 to 30 second vignettes of all the people from their class all these characters a great cast of characters that you're going to be like meeting throughout the film i, th- I even wrote i think i wrote a cavalcade of characters it's a cavalcade dude. and we've got uh the mom from child's play the original one mm-hmm. we've got uh the mom from uh the original story in the notebook i don't know i just watched <laughs> half of the notebook recently and i'm like hey that's the mom from the uh when they're young in the notebook uh we've got a young jim carrey people uh, as a playing his older self is a dentist who gets really good coke it's really good coke because he just does it with the mom yeah. from child's play um but i the i the thing i liked about all of these characters that i kind of uh was another thing that I noted. Um, yeah, well, before I get to that, the line that Jim Carrey gives mm-hmm. is that uh, that his coke 
is so good that he could start growing his own teeth. Makes no fucking sense, but I think it he lands. says drilling his own teeth. I, I heard grow his own teeth. I think he's saying it puts his face to sleep so he can do dental work on himself. Oh, I don't know, man. It's I, I think he, he says drilling his own hey, teeth. I remember I kind of remember the line. You live in your world, I'll live in mine. Okay. Either way, it was fun. It very fun. But we, um, I, I wanted to say this is Nicolas Cage. Yeah. One year before his absolute knockout year eighty seven of um both Raising Arizona and Moonstruck. I think his breakout year two amazing yeah, movies absolutely. by he's twenty three yeah. in nineteen eighty seven, by the way. So he's twenty two making this movie. Yeah. And he fucking rules. He had an early Nick Cage freakout scene. Uh I wrote down the whole part of it. It's when they're like kind of breaking up. Is it when they fully break up? He uh, Wait, he breaks into her house. And he breaks gets her in, to he the He breaks basement. into Kathleen Turner's house. They're talking in the basement. I wrote it down because I thought it was such a fun like he's not going full cage freak out. But uh, he goes, I've got the hair. I've got the teeth. I've got the eyes. Will Peggy look outside that window? I've got the car. I'm the lead singer. I'm the man. Why are you arguing with me? And he's not like, he's not just walking around an island punching women, getting bees yeah. in his face. He's not going full freak out mode. But like, you can see where it's starting, man. Yeah. It's, oh, man. I. I I'm unabashedly a pro Nick. Is this a pro Nick Cage podcast? I love Nick Cage personally. Do you want my take? Is this the take? This is the take. What? Um, the take is here already. The take is here. We stumbled I, upon it. Or we stumbled upon it. Yeah, guys, I, you, fucking listen up. Max is about to hit us. Some of the most startling. In, I have not heard this. No, I know that this take is going to be huge, dude. Yeah. Let's hear it. Nick Cage doesn't really do it for me. What the hell? Yeah. What the hell? I I I acknowledge that there are um like R- Raising Arizona is like an all time film for me. All timer. Nick Cage is like legitimately fucking the same phenomenal year in it. he does Moonstruck. He's incredible in Moonstruck. I've never seen Moonstruck. Oh, you gotta see Moonstruck. Yeah. Um, a, I love Face Off. Feel good, great movie. Well, I guess it, like maybe like the addendum to this because I t- I said this was like not gonna be like a huge take is i'm i guess more is like i'm over it i'm like i'm over nick cage like he's not a draw for me anymore like he's got that kind of like that five nights at freddy's fucking kind of movie is like coming out and like the color out of space or whatever like i don't watching a movie to see nick cage freak out and like punch a woman or whatever you know is not a draw like i'm in eh, whatever empire's kiss is really good leave it I, Nick old Cage, old Nick Cage stuff rules so much. I don't, I don't give a shit about new Nick Cage stuff. Or, like it doesn't take anything away from how amazing he's no. been in the past. I, no, it's, it's nothing to like poo-poo anything. Like he was there, he did it, and then, and then it's like, but he's just like become this like fucking people. Just like we got to go see it because Nick Cage is gonna freak out. And it's like I don't give a shit. Can I um, can I give you a, can I combat your take a little bit? Yeah, sure. With a quote. Uh huh. From Nick Cage. Okay. Slightly altered for yep. the situation. Let's hear it. I'm gonna steal your take. It sucks. I'm gonna <laughs> rip it up. That was a quote from uh, National Treasure Book of Secrets. Yeah. Um, altered but so, to fit the situation. Before we started talking about that, I was gonna say like um. Also, some... Jim Carrey pre blow up. Yeah. And he's a he's a lot. He's got two or three scenes. He's a lot of fun. And there's a there's a ton of also just like that guys. 
mm-hmm. in Peggy Sue. Like, we most can- of the cast, like, background cast is, like, recognizable. Max, you're getting ahead of yourself. Um, We're not doing Dance That Guy of the Week, our know, new yeah. segment. We're not ready for that yet. Um, But, like, something that I noted about, like, these characters that, like, especially, like, in this, like, early portion that, like, made it, like, very kind of, like, endearing to me mm-hmm. is that... I felt like every single character, like as they were introducing them, like I said, we have these like little like slice slice of life vignettes. Mm-hmm. Everyone was like, every character was like so close, like teetering on the edge of just falling off this like wacky cliff. Mm-hmm. Like if you if you would do the slightest nudge mm-hmm. to the right for any of these characters would have made them seem just like insane and super weird and like whatever. But like they're so close to that edge that it it really made everybody seem like super authentic to me mm-hmm. and that made that opening scene like so good yeah it's great the um the rich guy norvik norvik yeah i think richard norvik played by barry miller yeah he talks about the guy who bullied him in high school who called him a a four-eyed worm mm-hmm. uh i was like man who is that fucking guy Who's that fucking guy? It's the dad. It's the fucking Donna's dad from that '70s show. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. <laughs> like 13 years before that. Yeah. I was like, what the hell? Um, Nin- '90s kids be loving that '70s show, right? So, yeah, <laughs> they died absolutely. That's I love take. that show. Yeah. Um, another thing that I kind of like did note, and there was actually like a little fun bit of trivia on IMDb about this, was just mm-hmm. like. What the fuck was that voice? That the Nick Cage was Nick doing. Cage was doing yeah, it just time? sounded like like only like a half of the time. Yeah, his it just sounded like he was like pinching his nose. Yeah, he was just doing like nasal. No, I'm not even doing it. I was going surfer mode for some reason. He's just doing nasal Nick Cage for some reason. It was really weird. So, on like IMDb trivia, apparently he based it on Pokey from the Gumby Show. Mm. And that insane that not only did the producers hate it, Coppola hated it. Right. They did not want him to do that voice. Hey, he's a Coppola, dude. He's allowed to do stuff. And I guess somehow he convinced them that 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 was the right like play. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily know if it was, but he fucking did it the whole thing. Apparently, even Kathleen Turner like fucking hated it. Like <laughs> they were doing like I guess they were like doing a scene. Like he started just like going off in this fucking voice that he's doing the whole time. It's not even in every scene. Like, no, he does it especially like when he's talking to um, Peggy Sue's parents. But, yeah, like not a lot. Um, it's this like weird, nasally yeah. sort of surfery California e guy like cadence like kind of thing. I'm the man. Yeah. It's still too surfery. I feel yeah, like yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm just doing. Uh, it's weird, and he has these wacky fucking like veneer like dentures yeah. in to give him this Classic like massive overbite. Stuff. Yeah, um, apparently Kathleen Turner was like so off put by it that and they were like Coppola was basically just like no he's he's gonna do it. There's right. nothing I can do. Yeah, and that she just like he's my cousin man was like I guess just decided like okay well I'm just gonna use the fact that he's got a bullshit annoying voice as more motivation for Peggy Sue to not want to be in love with him in and the you 60s. know what he made her be method yeah it worked she gets an oscar nom for this movie um before yeah. we get into that really though i would like to say speaking of coppola's 
talking annoying. Sophia, Sophia Coppola? Coppola in this Absolutely movie. Absolutely terrible. F- fucking Coppola is just putting other Coppolas and stuff. Yeah, Nick Cage, like, if you okay, guys don't Sophia know, is Co- a Coppola. Oh, yeah. Everybody knows that, I think. Right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm just throwing it it's out in there. Fast in Times is Ridgemont High, at Ridgemont High yeah. as Nicholas Coppola, yeah. credited in his tiny role. Um, Coppola's putting Coppolas and stuff. It's too much. It has to stop. It's okay to put Sophia Coppola in The Godfather 3. As a baby. That's fine. She's like a child. Right. Uh, she's a child in this, too. But well, she, she's like a teen. We're also supposed teens. to buy, like... The most Italian fucking looking girl as just Kathleen Turner's little sister. Yeah. The rest of the family looks like Kathleen Turner. And then we just got, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, she comes in in like a Girl Scout outfit. And I was just like, is that fucking Sophia Coppola? Just so <laughs> flat <Is that laughs> in every line delivery. Is that director of uh, On the Rocks, the sequel to Lost in Translation? Yeah. So another thing that I wrote down. Yeah. Now that we're like on to. Um, Coppola's here. Mm-hmm. What do you got? I'm almost certain that, like, that Masonic Lodge thing, mm-hmm. it's a dog whistle. Oh, yeah. You said dog whistle. What do you mean dog whistle? Um, It's like a... It's like a... Like, like a, he's like whistleblowing? A, like a... um, Like a hidden sort of a quiet... Um, I know what a dog whistle is, but is, are you using it right? I, I believe so. Okay, you're using it, right? It's our podcast. Subtly, subtly aimed political message, which is intended for and can only be understood oh, okay. by a particular group. Mm. So, it's a dog. I mean, it's, it's a weird fucking part of the movie. Randomly, towards the end, so yeah. I, like part of the whole crux of Back to the Future is he's got to get back to the future. Mm-hmm. In this movie, it's kind of an. She's just happy to live her life again with her knowledge for the most part. Well, Until, I guess it, towards. I, the, I think it's also worth mentioning that it's, um, through throughout the entire movie, it's relatively unclear whether or not she has actually traveled back because, like, she she passes out at the at the. I just take reunion. the movie on its own grounds. I just yeah, assume that there, it so happened. There's two things they don't do too much to make me wonder. Like, is she dreaming this or anything? Um, it's the the only like main thing that's like set up. Well, because she's unsure, but the, like the main sort of thing is like there is an anachronism like in the beginning of a mylar balloon. Which is the same balloons that they see that she's they have at the reunion. Mylar wasn't invented until the seventies or whatever. But then once she comes back to eighty five, eighty six, um, the uh, the Michael Fitzsimmons has dedicated the book to her and a starry night because they 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 make love underneath uh, the stars in a field. Mm-hmm. So he's written a book, and so there's there's a, a at least an amount of ambiguity right there. so yeah i mean that makes me think she did go back yeah yeah i know exactly yeah, but yeah. i mean it's so, worth mentioning that the movie right. does at least try to play on some but, sort uh, of i mean in general they won't they? It, until almost the end where stuff starts going wrong where she decides her opinion has changed about charlie and she does want to pursue yeah. him and he rebukes her then she goes to confide to her grandparents who we haven't met the whole movie yeah, but they they play her, a factor because she's they've both passed away and she wants to right, she's but, having dreams about her grandmother and but the, well we then we randomly just encounter that the grandma's like psychic understands what's happening and the grandpa is in this Masonic lodge that was founded by a time traveler right according they, to the people at the lodge waiting for someone to come back or forward in time so they could try to send them back 
and maybe it works. It's not really clear. <laughs> that part's fucking weird. It's that part super, comes out of nowhere yeah, in this movie. That's what I'm saying. It's a like, dog I, whistle. I dude. accept Illuminati the general confirmed. premise of her going back in time. That's all fine to me. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, coming back to the present, fucking fucking weird jumps there, yeah. man. Um, didn't really bug me, but just weird. So what what did you think about the ending? I I didn't vibe uh, with it much. It, it, it wraps up a little too easily. Um, it's kind of. I mean, I wasn't expecting from this movie that uh, it would end up with her and Charlie back together, reunited. I mean, he feels. Well, my my she, take she on that. She decides she loves him again. I mean, they re they reconcile in the past and then reconcile in the present. I kind of felt like it was. Maybe this is like me putting too much of my own in because it like to me Charlie literally does nothing throughout the film to sort of, um, like it, it doesn't seem like he does anything to like make her like fall back in love with him necessarily. Right, he doesn't know what's happening. Yeah, so it's just like I don't see like that, but I, I think the grandmother has like some line of just like like tells Peggy Sue to like find out what's important to you. Like, fight for the things that are important to you or, you know, something along those lines. Or at least that's, like, the message of it. And I, I think it's at that moment that, like, Peggy decides, well, it's like, okay, well, this isn't necessarily what I wanted out of my life or I didn't get what I thought I was going to get. But I did get my kids. Mm-hmm. So I can't just blow up what I've done because then I wouldn't have them. Mm-hmm. Um, but it... it yeah, I, I just didn't really. I don't know. I just didn't really like vibe with it. Yeah, much. Um, I there's one line that I really like from the ending. Mm-hmm. Uh, she comes to Nicholas Cage is there. He apologizes for his infidelity. She yeah. she or maybe she mentions the mistress, and he's like, "Oh, I can't be with her." She doesn't know anything. She doesn't know about music. She thought the Big Bopper was a hamburger. Yeah. <laughs> and I wrote that line because that was so funny to me. Um, I'm a hamburger, baby. Uh, Just a lot, of, a lot of fun doing the Big the, Bopper voice. Um, one of the lines that I really liked, this is kind of like going away from the end of the movie, but um, when uh, Peggy Sue's mom thinks she's going to like go have sex with Charlie. Wrote that one down to you. She says, uh, Peggy, you know what a penis is long pause as they stare at each other what? stay away from it yep. uh, uh very great, funny great one great, the great. other one i wrote down i don't remember the context but like i think peggy sue is trying to get charlie to sleep with her because mm-hmm. they get like drunk or she's just kind of like seeing it was like the, a moment clearly from their past yep. like after he sings and she's gotten getting all like hot and bothered right. and she's like reaching into his pants and nick cage just goes my wang <laughs> 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 yeah, you does say my way. It's, oh man, <laughs> those are the very, ones I wrote. Very down. funny, very funny. Um, and get into Back to the Future. Yeah. So there was Kathleen a, Turner. Man, there was something got? that you that was like a good like crossover, and now I forgot it. Now I've I don't got even know. One. Now I'm not even know. I don't even know. Why I've I'm mentioning got. It. One. Yeah, take it away. Go. Kathleen Turner. Kathleen. Star Turner. of this movie. Uh huh. Also star of 1980 film Romancing the Stone. Directed by one Robert Zemeckis. Zemeckis is the link. Oh, I remember what it was. You said that Kathleen Turner went um, method. Mm-hmm. 
to because of Nick Cage's voice. Mm-hmm. I was gonna mention that uh, Eric Stoltz. I was gonna he, talk about Stoltz when he was originally cast in Back to the Future. Was apparently so method he made everyone call him Marty. Yeah, and then when he got fired, they told uh, Christopher Lloyd, "Hey, Eric's leaving," and Christopher Lloyd was like. Who the fuck's Eric? And <laughs> <laughs> that rules. He just straight up thought his name was Marty. Um, I I also read that um, when he had to shove Biff, yeah, almost broke plays, Thomas Biff, F. Wilson's yeah, he sternum. Kept, he or kept like something. fully shoving him yeah. because he was going method acting like it was really happening. Uh, apparently, it crushed him when he was fired, and he's like, he was like crying in his trailers, like. I, I'm not even a comedy actor. Why would they ever even put me in yeah. this movie? And uh, actually, Thomas F. Wilson was apparently planning to give Stoltz a receipt for all the shoves. So that when <laughs> when Biff pulls uh, Marty like out of the car and uh, like kind of punches him in the guts, like uh, Thomas Wilson was just absolutely gonna fucking rail Stoltz in the stomach sure. to get back at him. Great. Never got a chance. Never got. A he chance. got fired yeah. like two or three days like after the filming of those scenes mm-hmm. weird yeah yeah uh, yeah i also found out man dude, i'm not gonna pull the whole thing up but there were so many insane actors in line to play both marty's role and uh there was like 20 fucking guys johnny, johnny like depp all guys yeah johnny, johnny depp, depp was on the list or uh, auditioned there's like a million fu- it's mm-hmm. all, like all of the best actors yeah, yeah. like all the guys they were all in line it was a um, bit oh, i mean obviously like it clearly was going to be a massive hit. Like it was, it was a big deal so from start to finish. They were trying to make this movie Zemeckis had written with uh, with the screenwriter. I forget his name. Something Gale. Um, Bob Gale. Bob Gale. They they had started writing this movie in 1980. Couldn't get it made because like all of the movies, like all the comedies were like Revenge of the Nerds and Animal House and stuff. Yeah, it was like um, going to be too tame. They they had pitched it another thing i read there was like they had pitched it to disney mm-hmm. and disney thought it was too raunchy mm-hmm. um for like a couple of the like scenes mm-hmm. but nobody wanted there's to make an, it because there's an attempted rape in this yeah movie. It's I, I have tough. a i have a note about that yeah. there was um but no other studio wanted to make it because it wasn't raunchy enough right they were trying because it's a teen comedy it's written as a teen comedy i right. mean it is a teen comedy mm-hmm. so when you yeah, when you're going up against Fast Times and Revenge of the Nerds, another movie that has a really fucking gross rape scene. Oh yeah, more more sexual assaults in Revenge of the Nerds than Back to the Future. Yeah, but uh, it's not that's that'll be for a different day. I hope that's on the podcast. Uh, I cannot watch that movie anymore, but boy howdy, did I love it as a kid before I understood that. Uh, a lot of bad stuff happens. Yeah, there. it's just. Um, anyway, back to the back to back to the future. Um, so yeah, had a hard time getting made um, until Zemeckis popped off with *Romancing the Stone*. Big, uh, uh, critical great, and financial success. Movie. Yeah, good one. Uh, starring again, Kathleen Turner. Um, gets to make this fucking movie that he'd been working on. Spielberg wanted to make, help him make it. He helped work on it. Um, I think as a production credit, he might he might have like a Steven Spielberg presents like Gremlins one has. I don't know, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, Steven we, Spielberg presents Back to the Future, Robert Zemeckis film. I'm looking at the poster right here. Love it. Um, 
just uh, random stuff to talk about Back to the Future. Um, when Marty goes home for dinner, the beginning mm-hmm. of the movie, he's like still eating his dinner. And Crispin Glover, George, his dad, just busts out a big box of peanut brittle and starts passing it around at the table. He's like, hey, Marty, you want some brittle? <laughs> and, uh, I mean, I'm not going to go into the full Paul F. Tompkins peanut brittle <laughs> sketch, but uh, uh, joke setup, but just struck me as real weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, a rare movie that features both Miller Light and Bud Light. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably one of the first movies to prominently feature Bud Light. I believe it only came out in 1982. Movie films in 1985 comes out. Yeah, comes out in 1985. Mm-hmm. So early Bud Light cameo. Yeah, Budweiser Light. I think it was called in those days. Um, I. What is there to say about Back to the Future? I, I mean, I mean, Good. there's honestly a million things we do, like, mm-hmm. But how much do you? I one thing that I do want to say is I don't think Crispin Glover was acting. Uh, he's. I think that's I read, just him. I read somewhere that he uses a lot of his own mannerisms. Oh uh, yeah, like sure. to to make that character and the character rules. Crispin Glover is a good actor. He's fantastic. Yeah, he fucking rules in this. Um, I mean, like literally every like everyone in it. Like I I don't necessarily know if I would say outside of like Christopher Lloyd and Michael J. Fox, are there any sort of like. Like just true, like really, like phenomenal performances. This isn't like some fucking prestige right. drama. This isn't like prestige, an yeah, no, no. Like, but like everyone plays their role. Everybody's great as as well, like to to perfection for that role for that performance. Yeah. Michael J. Fox is just like oozing charisma in they, every they, scene. They settled on him. They picked him because of how fucking good he was on. Um, was it Family Ties? I don't. Yeah, I think it's so. Family ties. Yeah, he plays Alex P. Keaton. Um, just yeah. Hey, it, it rules. This is a charismatic. The, the cast is great. Guy. Everyone just does like such such a good job. Um, and then the one thing that like I like really kind of like I and this is like something that I miss like in films is like when you're watching like an o- older film where you can tell it's like on a set. Like there is a f- oh, a feel to the visual language the visual kind of like iconic iconography i can yeah. conic- we, were, we were talking about it the other week when we yeah. were watching uh big trouble in little china yeah yeah, yeah it's yeah. like a big action movie with all these insane set pieces these set clearly pieces. on a set yeah like, it just it feels fun that, it makes that it... whole movie would be i mean not by carpenter but the, the whole movie would be just green screen fucking shit now right right um, and so just like the the props the production di- design back to the future everything like is wardrobe is so good i think what i wrote in my note was that just like almost like everything in it like almost becomes its own character yeah like the set pieces are their own characters like they're so so ingrained into like what back to the future is sure is it's fantastic it's just it's such a fun movie and we, we mentioned it earlier like the pace of the the script and the screenplay oh you're just in it and you're going yeah it, it yeah. just it builds and the other thing that i that i noticed that it's like we don't Marty like doesn't get like like the scene where Marty gets hit by the car and now Lorraine is falling in love with him versus George. They call it the Florence Nightingale effect, Marty. Yeah. Um is almost it's like fifty five minutes into the movie. Like that scene like wraps up. So like our main action doesn't start until almost an hour into our like hour and 40 minute runtime right. i mean it's like more what, than what half is, the movie what is more quintessential 
I mean, everybody knows the fading from the picture thing because yeah. you're being erased from history. Mm-hmm. It rules. The fact he's like falling over trying to perform in the band because he's sapped of his energy because yeah. his parents haven't yeah, kissed yeah. yet. It rules. Speaking um, of the band scene, I thought it was absolutely hilarious that like this is the first basically this is the first time any of these people are hearing like hard rock and roll. Mm-hmm. Because Does he play like Van Halen song or something? No, something they they lines. play he he says this is an oldie, but it's like right. a song from the like sixties. Like right, it, it would right. wouldn't have been a song that had come out. Right. He he I think he even says like, Well, it's an oldie for me. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> or where I'm, I'm from. from. Yeah. And it's great. Um and then Marvin Berry. Right. Chuck Berry's right. fictional cousin. It's your cousin. His cousin. Mom and, Mom Mom and Barry. It's <laughs> so funny. Um, so he's playing, essentially, he's playing rock and roll for the first time for mm-hmm. these people. As soon as he starts playing it, everybody knows all the sex dance moves. Mm-hmm. But the they're enti- also kind of disgusted by it. The, well, uh, yeah, in the, the very for opening minutes. But oh, as yeah. soon as they, they, they everybody knows There's something how something intrinsic in this music that yeah. makes you want to get fucky. Just immediately know how to do all the ra- raunchy moves and just get right into it. Um, oh, that was very funny. One of, uh, one of my favorite moments in this whole movie, uh, right after... Marty goes back in time. Mm-hmm. He goes to the diner, meets his own dad. Uh, Biff comes into the diner, yells McFly. They're both rubbing the back of their neck in the same way, and then in complete unison turn to look at the door because they're both being called McFly. Yeah. I mean, perfect moment. Uh, I, I heard a story about this at one point yeah. that um, Zemeckis and Spielberg thought that moment was like, like, is this going to be lost on people? We're just, like, making this visual connection between these guys being father and son. And uh, they showed it to a test audience, and they watched the, the, how the test audience perceived it. And the whole test audience was just like, yeah! Like, I think everybody was cheered yeah. and stuff. And Spielberg and Zemeckis were like, dude, we fucking did it. We, did we got it. a fucking got movie him. right um, here, man. I actually, like, That's how Spielberg talks. I've made two notes about like that same scene, so the whole good. diner scene. Um, it It's like you could probably teach that scene as like in a like pure like visual storytelling or visual like comedy, physical comedy like class. Mm-hmm. It's it's so many. It's just like every single scene, every single moment is just a vision, like another visual gag. Like when yeah. George walks in and he orders a milk, mm-hmm. it's like a milk chocolate oh yeah and it slides across <laughs> the bar this is the later diner scene but yeah it's yeah, so yeah. good so it slides across the bar and he takes it out <laughs> takes a sip slams it down yeah. milk goes everywhere you actually see the like bartender like the the soda shop keep or whatever like get some on him and he like looks down at it like all like indignant it's so good um there's, and then uh, there's a great just gag gag yeah, in yeah. that too where Obviously, diet drinks haven't been invented yet in 1955. And uh, Marty's, I, I think at first he asked for a, a tab, tab diet cola. And the guy's like, you can't have a tab. You got to pay cash, man. I don't know you. <laughs> and then he's like, well, can I just get like a Pepsi free? Which I guess they called Diet Pepsi back then. Yeah. He's like, you gotta pay for a Pepsi, whatever. <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah, these are so fucking just out of some shitty comedian's joke. Yeah. Like, just perfect. Just a, joke. And a, just another like great visual moment of like when Marty tries to stand up for Biff in there, and he like stands up, and you just see uh, 
Michael J. Fox's eyes, yeah, like over Biff's shoulders, mm-hmm. like with the. It's it's just great. It's oh, just it's such so such like so many good visuals, mm-hmm. like through the whole thing. Um, it, I don't. Like, what what more do you say? Like, what do you What do you give Back to the Future? I give it a five. Yeah, five. Five. Five, out of five. five out of five. What did you? Uh, Shoot, I don't remember what I gave Peggy Sue Got Married. I gave it a three and a half on Letterboxd. We're talking about Letterboxd ratings here. I think I gave it a three or a three and a half, something like that. Um, Yeah, three and a half. Max, you ready for a segment? Yeah, let's get a segment. I mean, we're 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 pretty. I mean, yeah. What more? We wrapping up. What more? I mean, do you have yeah, to say did, about we, Back to the did we just want to fucking say how good Back to the Future is? It's just yeah, like it's, it's just so like fucking great. It's we didn't really compare or contrast these two. I mean, no, I mean, Back to the Future is like perfect for this concept. It wraps it up perfectly. Yeah. Sets up sequels of varying quality. Which apparently was not even like a plan of theirs. They just wanted like a fun. Oh, like, really? Ending gag. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then it just, I mean, it was just did gangbusters. Mm-hmm. Highest, I mean, again, highest grossing movie in 1985. Right. It, uh, insane. Yeah. It, do you like the sequels? Do I like the sequels? Yeah. 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 I even like the third one. Yeah. It's not great. I like cowboy stuff. I like cowboy stuff. Yeah. yeah. It's fun. It's a fun movie. I always associate that movie with City Slickers 2, The Legend of Curly's Gold. <laughs> I think just because they're cowboy movies yeah. that I watched near the same well, time. So you uh, you mentioned this like over the weekend when we were hanging out about how like a film can be subtle and fun. But if it's not subtle, it needs to be fun. It's rare to be subtle and fun. But a movie should be subtle, and if it can't be subtle, it needs to be fun. Right. I think is what I said. I think I just read that in a tweet. Or yeah, something. something. But it's like, that's Back to the Future three. Yeah. I mean, it's all of these. It's movies. fun. It's yeah. fun. Yeah. Like Back to the Future three is, the, are you like? I mean, objectively the worst of the three, but it's it's still a good time. Mm-hmm. Um, Peggy Sue maybe a little more subtle than Back to the Future. Not as much fun. Yeah. It's it trying gets, to make it stops more of a being subtle when they start doing the psychic grandparents and masonic oh, yeah, line for sure it's much less subtle uh still forgive it even though it's not the most fun it's fine yeah it's fine good good enough movie but yeah like, i mean that, like I, don't th- I don't think we can have anything more to say in about the, in the same way that we said last future. week definitely watch the prestige it rules we love it yeah oh we're not gonna give one of these movies a five every week are we max are we just getting out fives like nothing i i will say next week i am going to be fucking shocked if i give either movie up next what movies are we watching next week we got to tell the people what movies to watch in the case they want to watch do you want to do your second you want to do your segments first you want to just get i'm getting lost in uh in in the getting lost uh, in the sauce a little uh, bit fuck i'm sauced out man for segments max yeah you want a returning segment or do you want a new segment you're getting um, both. Which one you want first? I, give me the returning segment first. Dan's Hottie of the Week. Mm-hmm. You remember this one? I do remember. I'm I still nominate, on the fence about it, but I nominate the hottest character, hottest actor, hottest person, one from each movie, and then I dub one of them the Hottie of the Week. Everyone knows those <laughs> rules. Um, Back to the Future. Any guesses who I nominate from Back to the Future? I would have nominated Crispin Glover. I'll give you a hint. Very small role. A favorite actor of mine. Yes, Hold I on. said actor, and I meant it in the male sense, even though I use that uh, term uh, for both both genders, any gender. Max, you don't have to just look it up. This is dead no. air. The, no, this is I good. nominate this is Match 
Billy, Billy Zane. Zane. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I love Billy Zane. You know this. A uh, proud bald actor. He's a really hot guy who went bald, just decided to shave his head and start wearing wigs. A very Samuel cool Jackson. move. Samuel Jackson. Yeah. Well, I, I think he didn't necessarily go bald, but it's easier for he's he's famously said that it's easier for him to be bald. Right. Billy Zane, same deal, dude. Incredibly just piping hot guy. Goes bald. It just hey, I'm bald now. Just put it. I'm an actor. Put a wig on me. It doesn't yeah. matter. Just put the wig on. Um, so Billy Zane, we've got our. How do you do? You, do you still feel bad about uh, Dan's Hottie of the Week? I've now nominated I, a male. No, I mean, I mean, I guess I feel like a little bit better. Second, uh, Peggy Sue got married. Do you know who I'm going with, Max? Any guesses who I'm nominating for Peggy Sue got married? Um, I'll give you a hint. It's more about voice. No, I don't. Starring actress Kathleen Turner. Ooh, because. Not that. I mean, she's a pretty as a young lady. She plays a uh, cross-dressing um, Chandler's dad in Friends. That's not why. It is because she voices the single hottest character in any movie ever. That's right. I'm talking about Jessica Rabbit. Kathleen Turner is the Ooh. voice of Jessica Rabbit. I don't think I knew that. Uh, there's a couple different voices. I think there's like a singing voice, a couple different things, but no. she's like the main voice. I probably would have another, guessed you were Another Zemeckis uh, connection. I thought you were going to nominate Helen Hunt. Helen Hunt's the daughter in that? Yeah. I was trying to figure out if it was, but then I got sidetracked or something. Yeah, she's barely in it. Um, I mean, Max, in, in a fucking, in a mile, dude, it's Kathleen Turner. Yeah? Who is hotter than Jessica Rabbit? Nobody. Well, that's not- Maybe Lola Bunny. We didn't watch Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Though. I understand that, but that voice, <laughs> dude, it just called to me. Okay. Hundred percent. Gotta right. gotta go Kathleen Turner, Dan's hottie of the week. I'm still iffy on this segment, but I'm not gonna stop you I'm from doing it. Keep doing yeah, it. I know. Um you ready for a new segment, Max? Yeah, let's hear a new segment. It's a little similar to the last one. Okay. I just bring up my favorite that guy. All right. Um I think most people know the concept of a that guy. Do you want to do what's your ten word elevator pitch on that guy? You see a guy in a movie, yep. don't necessarily know who he is. You go, oh, that guy's in this. It's just like a fun little yeah, character a, actor that yeah. pops up and stuff. Uh, and uh, I'm not doing a nomination thing. I'm just picking my favorite. Okay. Uh, that guy of the week. Um, unfortunately, this man played an unhoused person quite often. He's pretty typecast yeah. as an unhoused person. His official character name in Back to the Future is Bum. He is the bum sleeping on the bench when the DeLorean comes back to 1985. None other than George Buck Flower um, from such movies as Back to the Future. They live. Um, he's in Pumpkinhead, one of my favorite, I think, very underrated monster movies. Uh, he's not really a bum in that. He's just a, a dirty <laughs> guy who lives in the country where Pumpkinhead is from famous um, vagrant actor famous unhoused person they live he rules he's a bum who then becomes uh one of the people who lives he shows he's wearing a tuxedo instead of being yeah. homeless and he shows uh our boys around shows rowdy roddy piper and keith david around the they live uh broadcast station or whatever i think they kill him i don't really remember i gotta watch they live again it rules uh, George Buckflower rules, Pumpkinhead rules. I'm out of segments, Max. All right. What else we got for today? 
Well, oh, did we say the movies? No, we're gonna tell the we're gonna tell everybody what's coming up next next week. A take that will rock you to your core. No, no more hot takes. I'm okay. not a hot take guy. Okay. I mean, no, I'm gonna say that, and then I'm gonna have like a hot take every week or some shit. But uh, next week we will be watching the both released 1997 classic disaster films centered around volcanic eruptions. You guessed it. It's Dante's Peak and Volcano. At the the volcano fan listeners out there are going absolutely ape shit on the radio dial right now. They're loving it. They're they're getting their uh, vinegar and baking soda, their red food dye. They're getting it mm-hmm. already. Yeah. How you, is that a science experiment? I don't know. How's that an experiment? Chemical reactions. Guess. Um. Yeah. Get your get your paper mache volcanoes ready for next week's episode because it's gonna be explosive cut it off max we gotta end there <laughs> we haven't plugged ourselves, haven't plugged ourselves. <laughs> if you would like to follow us on social media you can find the podcast on twitter at doubled feature instagram handle doubled feature gmail email account you guessed it doubled feature podcast at gmail.com also please find us on spotify and apple podcasts or wherever else you may be able to get your podcasts and give us a review subscribe to the podcast follow it ding the bell do all the good stuff um five star reviews only please it would help us out a lot also i can't even believe i didn't plug this last time if you if you think i'm funny which i don't know why you would uh read my webcomic that i do with our friend sam it's called nerds day it's a DD webcomic that we uh he and I do together. I'm not affiliated with that, not but I support them. Yeah, I mean, it's... Read it. Help do the thing. And, you know. Buy a comic or something for, like, a buck. Yeah, we've got... They're, they're on Comixology and I bought things one like for, that. like, a buck. Yeah. How it helps. It's plans. fun. It's just... It's a fun project. Check it out if you want. Um, yeah. Tune in next week. It's gonna be... Explosive.